Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Are you thankful to be in church tonight? Are you? You know, a lot of things had to be right for you to be here. You had to have health, had to have brightness of mind, had to have some finance, had to have some freedom. Anybody thankful for how blessed you are tonight? Thank God for this church and these pastors and this opportunity. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. And we're not just here by accident, but he orders our steps. He directs our paths. You and I are here together with him by divine appointment. Thank you, Lord. And I want exactly what he wants to happen. Don't you? So let's release faith right now. Father, in Jesus' name, we all agree together as touching this, asking you for utterance, for the anointing, for eyes and ears and heart that can see and hear and perceive and receive and understand. Answers we ask for, direction, help, a supply of the Spirit, that which brings us up into the next place that you have for us, the next part of your plan. We ask for it. We believe by faith that we receive it, and we thank you in advance. Thank you for it. And we purpose not to be hearers only, but to be doers of what you show us. In Jesus' name. Everybody said out loud, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the Word of God. You know, that's the only people that get results. Not just the meeting goers, not the, the sermon listeners or note takers, only the doers, and you said you are one. Is that right? You're a, you're a doer. Praise God. You can be seated. Thanks, guys. It is indeed a privilege to be with you this evening and on these days. Special thanks to the Lord and, and to your pastors for, for having us. And thank you for sowing those finances into our ministry just now. Um, I, our word sender partners underwrote our whole trip before we ever left. Amen. So uh, uh, everything's paid for. And so what you're sowing into us now will help send us somewhere else. After that, praise God, amen, and thank you for all of you that have been a part of our ministry prior to this. Um, you know, I've, I've come to see that with the Lord, it, it is not just important that something happens, it's equally important to Him who it comes through, who it happens through, because uh, uh, eternal reward is connected with accomplishing his will and advancing his kingdom down here. And so uh, it's a very big thing. And very soon and very soon we'll be out of here. 
Uh, and a whole lot of stuff that people did won't matter. The Bible talks about a lot of things when they're tried. It'll be wood, hay, and stubble. It'll be consumed, and those that did it will suffer loss. But things that are done by the direction of the Spirit will be uh, gold and precious stones, and they'll last forever, and the reward will last. Praise God. We're going to be so glad past this life that we invested into the kingdom of God. Oh, we're going to be so happy. You're going to, you're going to have people in heaven run up to you and, and grab you and hug you. And you'll say, well, who are you? <laughs> and they'll say, thank you for sending the word to me. Thank you for sending ministry to me. Thank you. Thank you. It lasts forever. Well, did you bring your Bible with you this evening? Turn with me again to scripture that we looked at on last night. 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter, 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. We just prayed a prayer. Are you believing with me for utterance? Thank you. Very important. You know, utterance is greatly affected by the hearer. It's not just all up to the preacher. Uh, minister has their part. The hearer has their part. The Holy Spirit has his part. How many know you can count on the Holy Spirit to do his part? He's, he's going to do it right. But the minister and the hearer, you know, sometimes they do better than others. <laughs> Both sides. Uh, in 2 Corinthians, the uh, 5th chapter... And the 17th verse, he said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Uh, there's so much revelation we need to get from this. You are not currently an old sinner saved by grace. Hmm? You were, but now you're a new creation. <coughs> Hallelujah. You were without God, without hope, without covenant, but now having been born again, you're not the same. I mean, even though you have the same body, got the same mind, you're in the process of renewing it, the inner man is not the same creation. Not the same one. Your spirit didn't get healed. You were recreated when you were born again. And beloved, now, the scripture says, are we the sons of God? Right now. Hallelujah. Say it out loud. Right now. I am a son of God. Now, God has male sons and female sons, but we're all the sons of God. Of the living God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the scripture said, you know, now are we the sons of God. It doesn't yet appear what we shall be, but when we see him, we'll be like him. We're made in his likeness and image, and Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren. We, we don't know who we are and what we are. 
And certainly the world doesn't know, the unsaved world doesn't know who we are. Because we don't really look that much like it. And sometimes don't act that much like it. But how many would say that you, if you've been born again any length of time, and if you've grown in the things of God, how many say, would say you're a different person now than you were five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago? You're a different person. As you behold, like in a mirror, the, the, the word of God, the revelation, the glory of God, you're changed into what you're beholding from glory to glory, even by the spirit of the living God. Well, now think about this. I know I'm a different person. I'm a different man than I was 40 years ago. Thank God. But that's just 40 years, which is a blink of an eye. God time. You know, if with the Lord a, a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years like a day, then a hundred plus year lifespan would be like a couple of hours to him. A couple of hours. And so if, if we've grown and developed and changed in 40 years, if we continue to develop in the Lord and even past this life when we get free of all the hindrances and interruptions and problems and we really take off and develop, what will you look like in a thousand years? What kind of development will have occurred after a hundred thousand years? By then and, and a long time before then, it'll be obvious to anybody who sees you who you are and what you are. Hallelujah. The glorified ones. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. The redeemed ones. The sons of the living God. Oh, hallelujah. Well, in order, the reason I'm talking about this is in order for us to do what we're supposed to do and accomplish what we're supposed to in this brief, brief thing called earth life, you need to know who you are now. You need to begin to get a revelation of who you are and what you are now. Elsewise, you won't rise up to your potential. You and I won't accomplish what we should, and the enemy is continually trying to demean you to yourself, debase you, and demean you, and shame you. And all this stuff about I'm, I'm nothing, I'm nobody, you know, I, I can't do anything, it's all God, it's nothing of me. Well, that, that sounds good to the person who doesn't discern it, but it's the opposite of what the Bible teaches. Hmm? Certainly, in and of myself, I can do nothing, I know nothing, I am nothing, but I'm not by myself. Oh, come on, help me out. I'm not by myself. Hallelujah. And I couldn't do it, and I didn't make myself anything, but he made me something. He's made me. We read just a few verses later here. He's made us the righteousness of God in Christ. Somebody say, I am somebody. Because he made me somebody. I'm a son of the living God. What does that mean? 
What does that mean? Not just in the life to come, but right down here now. What does that mean? Read the rest of it, it says. Verse 20. Now then, not later, but now, we are ambassadors for Christ. You know, ambassadors are dignitaries. Right? Dignitaries. The country, a great country, a great nation, like this great nation, like the U.S., like others, they don't just pick anybody. <laughs> right? And authorize them and stamp them with their approval to go speak on the behalf of the president or the prime minister and the nation. They're dignitaries. And they're expected to carry themselves with honor. Right? Not to come in slouching and mumbling. Huh? To come in. Why? Because they don't just represent themselves. They represent the ones who chose them and the ones who sent them. Well, friend, child of God, you've been chosen. And you've been sent. You need to act like it. You need to carry yourself like it. I'm not talking about pride and arrogance. I'm just talking about a realization of who you are. What you are. What you came, what you're coming to do. Who you represent. Hmm? Help your neighbor. Reach over to him and say, represent. Represent. <laughs> represent. Represent. Represent what? Not just your natural upbringing, not just where you're from, not just your culture, not just your family. We're talking about representing someone who is the greatest of all. We were talking about representing a kingdom that shall never cease. All these kingdoms and nations will soon be passed away and become under his control. There'll just be one kingdom, the eternal kingdom of God. And did you know who he's grooming right now to rule and reign with him over this entire eternal kingdom? You. You believe it or not? That was weak. I said, you believe this or not? Yeah. Am I just making this up or is this in the Bible? That's why he's teaching us faith. Teaching us faith because that's how the Father himself functions. That's how he operates. That's how he created the heavens and earth and everything. He did it by faith. Everything we're learning about how to walk by faith and live by faith and function by faith now, we will carry past this life. Everything we learn about submission to him, about honor, about his ways, about his righteousness, is preparation for what comes next. This life is the briefest thing we will ever do. 
It's the shortest thing. It's the briefest thing. And if you live 100 years, it's going to come and go so quick. I mean, days are passing like uh, lines on the highway. I mean, it's, right? I'm telling you. I'm telling you. 150-some thousand people left this earth today. Happens every day. Every second, uh, one, just a little bit over every second, two people leave. Somewhere on the planet. Two more. Two more. Two more. In a few days, two more, me and you. We're out of here. But now for the child of God, that shouldn't be scary. Huh? In fact, to depart and be with Christ is far better than being here. Glory to God. It's going to be awesome. And that doesn't describe it. But between now and then, there's a reason why we're here. And there's something we're supposed to accomplish. We're on the front lines. Sometimes I can almost hear Paul, the apostle, telling me to stir up and get after it. What do you mean? I can almost hear Paul saying, Keith, Keith, if I'd have had the internet and an airplane, get after it, boy. You don't have long. Hmm? We've got tools no other generation has had. And I know some of them have been used for wrong things, like the internet. But I think one of the principal reasons we have it is for the gospel. Hallelujah. Get that word out. Because soon and very soon, this thing's going to wind up. It's going to be over. But even right now, you are, not going to be, you are his ambassador. Come on, say it out loud. I am am Christ's ambassador. ambassador. I'm his ambassador. ambassador. He goes on to say, he said, uh, uh, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled to God. Now, these are some big words. In Christ's stead? In his place? I'm speaking for him. My, my. I know some years ago I saw a, a film back from a great healing campaign that happened in the, I believe it was the, the early 50s. And uh, this man of God, obviously anointed man of God, he was ministering on the platform and they brought this young person up that was terribly afflicted, looked to be physically and mentally afflicted. And this man backed up and he said, uh, he said, if Jesus were here tonight, he would rebuke this devil work and this, this affliction and disease off of this child and the child would be healed. He said, well, he's not here in the flesh, but he's authorized me and sent me to speak on his behalf and act in his stead as his representative and he turned and said and in the name of Jesus glory to God 
and a miracle occurred. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. In the name of Jesus is not a magical incantation like hocus pocus, abracadabra. It's not a magical phrase. What is it? It is a revelation that I am his ambassador. And I have been authorized to speak on his behalf. I've been empowered to act in his stead. This is big. I said this is big. Most of the church world does not believe this. Does not. Does not. Because many places something different has been preached. That it's all up to, you know, every, pretty much everything's up to God. And we're just old sinners. Saved by grace, maybe we hope. And, and we're going to mess up every day. But we're nothing. He's everything. We're nothing. It's not what the Bible teaches. Come on, say it out loud again. I am, I am his ambassador. His ambassador. <laughs> I am. Praise God. What is an ambassador? An ambassador is one who represents another. One who is authorized, an authorized representative or messenger. And usually it's one someone sent to a country that's foreign to them. But they represent the one who sent them in that foreign country. I want you to notice in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, just notice this. This is in the same passage of scripture where the armor of God is described, the helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, loins girt with truth, preparation of the gospel, and shield of faith, sword of spirit, sword of the spirit. In this passage, the scripture says this in, in Ephesians 6. 19, Paul said, and pray for me that utterance may be given me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Now, some people might have read that if they didn't understand who it was and thought, what you praying for boldness for? Why are you asking people to pray for you that you'd be bold? Just be bold. Stir it up. Be bold. Apparently Paul didn't know that. More importantly, the Holy Spirit who inspired him to say this didn't know that. And if the Holy Spirit didn't know it, you shouldn't know it. Boldness is not something you work up. You ever seen somebody trying to be bold and it wasn't right? It just made everybody uncomfortable? They were loud, they were pushy, but it wasn't anointed. <laughs> I know some years ago we were, I was traveling with some people and we were going through the airline terminal and they came up to the ticket counter and, and the, uh, the young lady had some bad news for, for them and us that our, uh, our flights were going to be greatly delayed and if we got on and this and that. And, and the person I was with, the minister, and, and they, uh, man, they just got stern with this young lady. And they, you know, kind of told them who they were and what was supposed to happen. And, 
And I just, I just kept backing off the louder they got, <laughs> looking around like, you know, who is that, you know? <laughs> Didn't want to. And finally, they looked over at me, and they said, well, what's your problem? And uh, they said, uh, sorry, that's just that's my prophetic anointing comes on me like that. And I get bold with people, no, no, no. It's called flesh. Flesh. It's rude. It misrepresents the Lord. Come y'all with me or not? Why would Paul say pray for me so that I'd have boldness? Because boldness is the result of revelation. You're bold because you know. You're bold because you're sure. And I believe that's one of the reasons I'm ministering to you and preaching to you tonight. Huh? Even though maybe you know some of these things, you can know them more. You can know them greater. And the result is that your boldness comes up. Not being pushy, not being demanding, not being rude, but revelation comes. And you begin to see who you are and what you are and who sent you and who you represent and what you're authorized to say and do. It'll change your life. And change others' lives round about you. Can you say amen? amen. Brother uh, Hagen Sr., who's in heaven now, said a good friend of his, fellow minister, who had problems with, uh, was a diabetic and, and blood sugar issues, that they went on a trip one time together. And as they rode in the car, he turned to this man and he said, uh, You'll not register any sugar, talking about him testing his blood, seeing what kind of injection. You'll not register any sugar this whole trip as long as you're with me. <laughs> and sure enough, he said the man they ate, even ate some things that he probably shouldn't have. And every time he checked his, uh, his blood sugar, it was perfect, perfect, perfect. He didn't, didn't, and this happened the whole time they're there in the meetings and the whole trip home. And then when they got... Uh, he said it was several weeks, or days or weeks after he got back home before he started registering, uh, you know, sugar again. Well, how could Brother Hagin say that? He had a revelation. Oh, come on, are y'all with me or not? He had a revelation that he knew this man respected him and respected the ministry. And this is a big deal. Paul said this, I magnify mine office. I magnify my office. Now to the undiscerning ear, you might think he's boasting, but he didn't call himself to that office. He didn't anoint himself. Hmm? It's something how people will admire a ministry from afar and maybe have a similar anointing on themselves or their spouse or their friend and completely take that for granted because they know them. You've got to respect the anointing on your own life. You've got to respect the call on your own life. You didn't call yourself. You didn't give yourself grace and anointing. To despise it because it's in you is to despise something the Lord has done. Come on, say it out loud. I magnify. I magnify. My office, my, office. My, call. my call, 
I, t I tell our folks, I said, and, and you may not understand, I know some people don't, but I can't help it if they don't know it. They need to get a hold of it. I tell my people in, at our churches, I say, you will get some of the best ministry here you will get anywhere in the world. And some say, boy, he thinks a lot of himself. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the anointing. I have confidence in the anointing. I have confidence in the Holy Spirit. I'm not making much of me. I'm making much of the call. I'm making much of the anointing. Come on, are y'all with me? I'm making much of what he has done. And if you don't do it in your life, your anointing will be suppressed. And your call will not be fulfilled. If you despise your own call, if you despise the anointing in your life, it'll be diminished. It'll be held back. Your anointing, your graces are not in any way inferior to the ministers you respect the most in this world. They come from the same source. Hallelujah. Somebody say glory to God. So this stuff about, you know, I'm, what if I came in here tonight and I go, well, you know, ain't much to me. I'm sure y'all know that by looking at me. And I, I just feel like, you know, that y'all probably already know everything I'm going to say. But I'll muddle through best I can. I know it ain't much to me. That doesn't bless you. That doesn't help you. And it doesn't help me. It's lack of respect. I'm, I'm disrespecting the anointing on my life. To talk that way. And it's lack of faith. The bolder I am to step out in what God has put in my life, the more the anointing will manifest. Oh, come on, are y'all with me or not? I know I can't reveal truth to you. I know I can't heal you, save you, deliver you. I, I know I'm just a vessel. But I am a vessel. I'm a vessel of the Most High God. I'm an ambassador. I've been chosen by Him. Anointed, appointed, graced. Hallelujah. It's a big deal. <laughs> and what He's done for you is a big deal. If you'll let it be a big deal. Hallelujah. I'm going to get you to try something out now. It may bother your religious head. <laughs> Said out loud, the, the revelation that comes through me, comes through me. is as great, as, great. As, you will hear anywhere. as you will hear anywhere. The ministry that comes through me, through my prayers, through my laying on of hands, is as powerful and effective as you'll see anywhere. Hallelujah. It's not, it's not you, but it's him through you. But you must acknowledge him in you. The Bible talks about that the communication of our faith may become effective 
are effectual by what? By the acknowledging of every good thing that is in us in Christ Jesus. Come on, am I quoting scripture, friends? Acknowledge it. Not just acknowledge, ooh, and ah, is what's in somebody else. Acknowledge what's in you. Acknowledge it. Treasure it. Magnify your place, your office. Hallelujah. Say it another time. I am an ambassador of the Christ. Hallelujah. Out of all the billions that would ever live on this planet, he chose you. He cho- Jesus said there are relatively few that are saved. Now all total together, there are millions, but the problem is there are billions on the planet. Hmm? He said narrow is the way that leads to salvation. Few there be that find it. Broad's the way that leads to destruction. He knew, even though you might have run from him, even though you might have said no to him many, many times, he knows then from the beginning. He knew your heart. He knew you'd say yes. He knew that you'd love him. He knew that you'd choose him. So he chose you first. He loved you first. Before you were born. Before the foundation of the world. And he didn't just choose you to be saved from hell. I mean, it'd be wonderful if that's all it was. But he chose you to represent him on this planet to your generation. And he chose you to be a part, to rule and reign with him in his eternal kingdom. And he's training you for it right now. I said he's training you for it right now. That's why you got the, the, the armor of God and you got all these things and you got the name of Jesus. Wouldn't it be something if you were all dressed up and nowhere to go? <laughs> Nothing to do with, which is why he left you some demons and curse and evil spirits and crazy people to deal with in this world. Why? Because you got to hone your skills. You, you got to learn. How can you be an overcomer and never come over anything? got to have something to come over. Huh? So when you meet something in your life and you go, oh, there's something I got to come over. Rejoice. Count it all joy when you fall into different trials and temptations, knowing that this trying your faith is honing it. Hallelujah. You're developing, you're learning how, and that faith that you're learning down here you're going to use in the kingdom to come. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He chose you. Chose you to represent him. Part of his eternal family is the highest honor. It's the highest honor. Why am I talking about this? I believe the Spirit of God is prompting us We need to begin acting like who we are now. Not later when we get to heaven. We need to begin to act like who we are now, tonight and tomorrow 
and be, this is not just for preachers now, every child of God is to be his ambassador, his representative in their world. Come on, can you see that? See, you'll see people I'll never see. On the job, in your community, in your restaurants, in your neighborhood, right? And you are Christ's ambassador to them. Hallelujah. You you and I need to live our life in such a way that we honor the gospel. That we bring no reproach. That even people who say they don't believe in God, they see something about us. They see the nature of God. They see the love of God. They see the grace of God. And we're not always complaining and we're not always defeated. And we're not talking, we're not, you know, self-debasing and just running ourselves down. If you run yourself down, you tend to, if somebody else beside you doesn't run themselves down, you think they're acting snooty. It gets all twisted. But you treat because you, you, you sense your value to him, you begin to treat other people with esteem and value. Loving your neighbor as yourself, what if you don't like yourself? <laughs> then your neighbor's in trouble. <laughs> Come on, can you see that? <laughs> it's just the opposite of what people think. The more you see your value in his eyes, you'll treat other people better. You'll esteem them greater. Thank you, Father. Did you find that scripture in Ephesians? He said, for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am a preacher in jail. Huh? I'm, a, I'm just a poor, broke, beat down preacher in jail. Y'all pray for me. That I'll make it out, that I'll survive. No, what's he asking for? Not, not survival. What's he asking for? Boldness. Boldness. Because even though he's in jail, even though he may not have been able to take a, a bath as often as he wanted to. Even though the food is, is, is mighty poor. <laughs> Even though these are terrible conditions, he still knows who he is. Yes. Come on, are y'all with me, saints? He, he's not a, a beat up, defeated preacher in jail. He said, what? What did he say? I'm an ambassador in bonds. I'm in prison, but I'm a dignitary for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Not just a preacher in jail, an ambassador in bonds. And you're not just Joey and Susie from the neighborhood who's a Christian and goes to church. You're an ambassador. You're a divinely appointed representative for him to your world. Authorized, oh get this, get this, authorized to speak and act on his behalf. You can talk to somebody, and in your mind you need to be thinking, if Jesus were here, he would say this and do this with this person. He's not here in the flesh. His spirit is here in me and on me and will enable me 
to act like him if he were here. And so they'll wind up hearing the same thing as if Jesus would have been here. They'll wind up being loved, being enlightened, being encouraged, being strengthened. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And he said, if you believe on me, the works I do, you'll do also. Didn't he say it? And greater works than these. Why? It's supposed to be the same with us. If you've seen us, you've seen him. If you've heard us, you've heard him. But that will not be the case if you debase yourself and you don't like yourself and you despise everything God has given you. Say it again, I am his ambassador. I am Christ's representative to my world. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Go with me, please, in the scriptures. Boy, there's so much here. Go to Mark, please, the third chapter, and I'll just read some things to you on our way there. Jesus spoke often of his being sent. If you want to do a good word study, that's a good one. Jesus repeatedly referred to how the Father sent him. I'll read a couple of them to you. You're going to Mark 3, but you can just listen to these. John 6, 38, Jesus said, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. John 8, 32, Jesus said, I proceeded forth and came from God Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Do you hear this? He sent me. John 7 and 28, Jesus said, uh, I'm not come of myself, but he that sent me is true. I know him, I'm from him, and he has sent me. Thank you, Lord. Somebody say, he sent me. He sent me. John 16, uh, 27, he said, The Father himself loves you because you've loved me and you've believed that I came out from God. I came forth from the Father and am come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. Jesus was aware that he was in a foreign country. He, he was, wasn't from here and he wasn't staying here. And he did not send himself. Get ready to shout. You might say, yeah, but Brother Keith, I was born here. You were. But you've been born again. Oh, come on, are y'all with me now? What happens when you get born again? Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And these things are of God who's made us an ambassador. So now, the very case as it was with Jesus, it is so with us. As he is, so are we. What? In our home? Uh-uh. 
We talk like he does now. We refer to this world as a different place from our home. Are y'all with me, please? You going you gonna to help me with this? Hmm? Well, this, well, this is my home. Yes, I was born here. No, no, honey child. No. You are here for this long, and then you're out of here. It'll help you, too, when you realize I'm an eternal being. I will never die. Hmm? It'll help you to relax, because I'm going to be around. Is that right? I'm not going to live down here forever. Don't want to. But it helps you. And you, you see people that get all bent out of shape over people going home to be with the Lord. And, 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 and like I said, you know, two. Two's leaving here. Every, every second or so, two, two more left here. It's, it's foolish to act like you're going to live down here forever. Or that other people, all your friends and relatives. How many are believing God to live a long time? You, huh? Live a long time? 100 years? 110, 120? How many? Believe in, believe in live a long time. You're going to go to a lot of funerals. <laughs> if you do, you're going to outlive a lot of the people that you know and love. <laughs> I got some funny looks when I said this. Well, Maybe we need to rethink this thing. No, you don't need to rethink this thing. You just need to understand. I stopped using the term, I lost loved ones. People say, sorry for your loss. Sorry for your loss. Well, were they born again? Are they lost? They know right where they are. Huh? Did I lose them? For, you, you see, Christians just cry and grieve. I wanted to, I wanted to tell mama so-and-so, and I, I, I wanted to do this with, with papa or my brother, and, and I didn't get to. If a hundred-year lifespan with God is like two hours, and you're already, you know, 50, 60 years old, then you're going to see them in 20 minutes, God time. <laughs> Can you keep it together for 20 minutes? <laughs> this is not fantasy. This is reality. How many believe heaven is real? Yeah. It's real. The Lord said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. If it wasn't so, I would have told you. And if I do, I'm coming back for you. Is it true? How many believe it's true? It's true. They're working on your place tonight. Getting it ready. And your loved ones are there. I know my, my dad went home to be with the Lord uh, early. He wasn't that old. And uh, when he did, it bothered me, the way he went and, uh, early. And uh, it was bothering me. I was thinking, you know, I was just getting to the place where maybe I could do some things for my dad financially. And, and there were some things that I... I wanted us to do together, and the Lord corrected me. He said, uh, who said you won't get to do them? 
He said, some things later on you won't want to do, you won't care about them anymore. Other things you will still get to do with your dad. He said, your dad's not just in your past, he's in your future. Is it true, child of God? Loved ones that have already gone on, they are alive and doing well, doing better than you. (laughs) And they will meet you when you get there. And all this grieving, and the Bible said the sorrow of the world works death. It works death. And it's just, it's wrong to let grief incapacitate you so that you can't function. That means you don't believe the Bible. It means you are sorrowing like those who have no hope. You don't believe the word. It's not true. It's not real to you. No, soon and very soon. We're going to be reunited with everybody that's there. Oh, it's going to be wonderful. Oh, you're going to meet relatives that you had no idea you had because they are your great, 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 great grandpa and grandma that you never met, that you never knew existed, and you're going to really like them. You're going to think, wow, so glad to get to know you. And wait till you meet Moses. Huh? Spend some time with Paul. Oh, my. We got so much to look forward to. Hmm? But before that happens, we got a job to do. We're not just here to while away the time. We're here to accomplish something. I've been sent here. You've been sent here. Somebody say sent, sent, sent. We've been sent. Jesus was cognizant of the fact that he was sent on a mission from the Father into an alien world, a sinful place, to accomplish something. And people have just attributed this, well, that's that's Jesus, that's unique. Yes, he is our unique, spotless, sinless lamb, but his example, and now us being born again, we are in a similar position that this world is not our home. Even though our bodies were born here and our spirits started here, our spirits are not the same as they began. Our spirits have been recreated. Hallelujah. That's from God. It'll help you not to get hung up on stuff either. Why? Because everything down here, all the stuff, the houses, the things, the cars, everything down here is like a gallon of milk. It's got a date on it. It's only good for a little while. Your good stuff is over there. I said your good stuff is over there. So use everything you got down here to accomplish something in the kingdom and bless somebody. Don't be concerned if something gets break, if something gets broken, if something gets cracked, if you lose something. No big deal. No big deal. Your good stuff's over there. This is not your good stuff. <laughs> And your good stuff is secure. Uh, I I heard a man say this one time. He actually fell off of a balcony. He's a strong believer. And he hit his head, I think, on a sidewalk and died. But the uh, emergency of the first responders got to him and worked on him and got him to the hospital. and, And had to work. They thought he was gone for sure. But eventually he came back. And uh he said he went to 
went to heaven and saw the Lord. He left his body. And he said the Lord showed him his place. You know, the Bible said in my father's house are many mansions, not efficiencies, <laughs> not condos. <laughs> in my father's house are what? Come on, that didn't make you mad now, did it? Come on. In my father's house are what? And he said the Lord told him, he used this word abode to describe his place. And I looked it up later and that is the word that's used. The word that means abode. He said, it was not like he thought at all. He said he had water, he had real estate. There was a mountain behind it. There were features, and he kept thinking, oh, that's what I always liked. Oh, that's what I always liked. Oh, I didn't know I liked that, but whoo. <laughs> and he said, he said, the Lord said, I know what each of my children like. And I custom build their abodes for them. Does that sound like the Lord? Does that sound like your master or not? That's what's going on tonight. I custom build. See, people's got this idea about heaven that there are these cookie-cutter McMansions. Call down the street, and they all got white columns in the front, and they're all, ah, who said that? Whose idea was that? Anyway, nobody should miss out on this. So a big part of our job is as his representatives, our text, in his stead, pleading with them. Be reconciled to God. Come. You might be living beside me. Come. You don't want to miss this. You don't want to say you don't believe in God. Come on. Receive Jesus. This life will soon be over. And it's not just religious talk. I am authorized, anointed, empowered to speak on the master's behalf if he were here to help get them in. Can you say praise God? Praise God. Glory to God. Whew. Look with me in Mark. Did you find that place? You had plenty of time. Mark 13. Is that what I said? Oh, straighten me out. Yeah, three. It's actually 313. Mark 3. And I'm reading in the, the Weist translation. It says, he, Jesus, appointed 12 in order that they might constantly be with him and in order that he might send them forth as ambassadors with credentials representing him to accomplish a certain task that of making a proclamation with such formality and gravity and authority as must be heeded and obeyed, being equipped with delegated authority to be casting out demons. If you look at this with Matthew and Luke 10 and other places, it says he, he gave them authority over uh, all unclean spirits, to cast them out and to heal every manner of sickness and every manner of disease. How many believe this? Did he authorize the 12? Did he 
empower them and authorize them and send them to be his representatives. Delegated straight from Jesus himself. The twelve. Well, it didn't stop there. It didn't end there. Go with me to the book of uh, Luke, I believe it is. Thank you, Lord. Luke, the tenth chapter. Luke 10 and 1, after these things, the Lord, the Lord appointed other 70 also. Sometimes you don't hear people say, well, yeah, you know, the, now the 12 apostles, they had power, they could do things, but when the last apostle died, all that says, what about the 70? What about them? Well, 70 and 12 is how many? We're up to 8 and 2. Is that where it stops? It said, uh, verse 2, Therefore he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. That he would do what? Send. 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 Go your ways, verse 3. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Verse 10, into whatever city you enter and they receive you not, go your ways out in the streets of the same and say, even the dust of your city which cleaves to us, we do wipe off against you. Notwithstanding, be sure of this, the kingdom of God is come near to you. This is something a dignitary representing another kingdom might say. You have insulted the one who sent me. Now, not everybody will receive what the Lord sends us to do. Not everybody received, you know, I used to say this and I've heard people say, well, you know, to know the Lord is to love him. Everybody thinks that's true. It's not. Jesus came to his own, and what? They did not receive him. They heard him preach and despised it. They saw him do miracles from the Father, and he said, they've hated me and my Father. And this is the dividing point. This is what's happening through all the earth and the generations, is that people see and hear him through different avenues, and some love him, and some hate him. Sad. But if they didn't receive him, don't be shocked when they don't receive you. And not everybody's ready for you. Huh? But there are some that are. And in this case, he said, if they don't receive you, he said, you just knock the dust off your feet and say, well, we came, and the kingdom of God was right here. You could have come in. Didn't know it, didn't want it. Verse 16. Now get this. Now this, this applies not just to the 12, but to the 70. He that hears you, hears me. He that despises you, despises me. And he that despises me, despises him that sent me. 
I don't think much of the church has realized how big God is on delegation. You remember Saul who was persecuting the church? Who later became Paul? And when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, what did the master say to him? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting my people? Huh? Why are you harassing my Christians? Mm-mm, mm-mm. What did he say? Why are you doing this to me? He takes it personally. Because those that come in his name, if you receive them, to him it's as though you received him, and it's as though you received the Father who sent him. Can you see this? This, this delegation. And sometimes people have not understood. They thought, well, I don't like that preacher. Well, who said you had to? But here's the thing. If the Lord sent them, you know, and you know, a thirsty man or woman ought not be so particular about what kind of cup the water comes in. Huh? Man or woman starving for water? Shouldn't say, oh, I don't, I don't drink from southern cups. I don't drink from U.S. cups. I don't drink from, you know, I don't drink from dark-skinned cups. I don't drink from light-skinned cups. I, I don't drink from big cups. I don't drink. Well, just starve then. Just, yeah, faint and fall out, right? <laughs> God will purposely use vessels you thought you didn't like. He'll do it on purpose. I've seen him do it over and over again. And there'll be something you've been praying and believing for. And there it is. But it comes through them. You're like, ah. Hey, just close your eyes and drink. It'll be okay. <laughs> just receive. Verse 17, and the 70 returned again with joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. They said, Lord, even the devils are subject to us through thy name. Why? Because he authorized them. He empowered them and he sent them. So they're they're doing what they watched him do. Jesus would tell spirits, shut up and come out of them. Right? He would tell people, be healed, rise up and walk. He, he, he spoke to the wind and the waves. And, and so then the 12 went and did the same thing he was doing. It didn't stop there. Now they got another 70 doing the same thing that the 12 and Jesus were doing. They said, even the devils are subject to us through your name. Verse 20 but the Lord said, you know, I saw, I beheld Satan like lightning fall. He said, verse 20, rejoice not just that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice. Oh, come on. Why? Why? Because your names are written in heaven where you're from, where your place is. Hallelujah. You're here temporarily. You're here on assignment. 
Somebody say, my name name is written written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We have no idea what that... There's coming a time when past, present, and future is judged and anyone not found in that book is judged and lost. Oh, what it means for your name to be in that book. Your name. Oh, somebody say my name. My name. My my name is in the Lamb's book of life. That makes you forever somebody. It makes you forever a part of the eternal family of God. A son of the living God, a redeemed one. Now notice something else that this name written means. Go to Philippians, the third chapter. I know I'm giving you some scripture tonight. Is that okay? You know, nothing I could say about the scripture is as important as the scripture itself. Philippians 3, 17, he said, Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example, our example. Part of this ambassadorship is us being examples, examples of Christ. I know when Phyllis, my wife, and I first started in the ministry, I began to see more and more what it meant to to have a call, to be a minister. And uh, every once in a while, she and I would talk about being an example. People are watching us. And, uh, and you don't, and especially as more people know you, you don't know who uh, you're around. Right? And a lot of people will know you, but they won't say anything. They want to watch you. See how you act. How you react. I know uh, when we first started the church in Branson, there was some electric company issues that had to be sorted through. Phyllis, my wife, went to the main office and there was a lady there that was behind the counter and it was really something that was not our fault. It was the company's fault and it wasn't good and it was uh, potentially costing us money and and it should have been fixed a long time ago. And This woman knew Phyllis, knew who she was but didn't say a word. By the grace of God, Phyllis handled herself well you know, didn't lose it, didn't get mad, didn't berate the woman, actually was kind to her. Her whole family is still in our church today, 15 years later. Praise God. She came up to her later and said, I was watching you. Because it was a situation where you could have got upset, you could have lost your temper. And How many understand your witness is important? It's more important than money. I said, it's more important than money. I said, it's more important than money. If it costs you a little money to keep your witness, then you let it go. Right? Your witness is so important. An example. But in the beginning days, Phyllis would say, I don't want to be an example. (laughs) I don't want to be an example. I said, it doesn't matter. We already are 
examples, either a good one or a bad one. But we are. People are watching us. <laughs> but she's turned out to be an amazing example. Somebody say example. An example of what? An example of the one who authorized you and sent you. An example of the Christ. I represent him. Keep reading. Actually, skip down to, uh, I got excited and lost my place here. Philippians 3, now 20. He says, for our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's King James. And you really lose something in, in that translation. If you look it up, it's the word, what, polytuma, I believe it is. And it means citizenship. Our citizenship is in heaven, Young's literal translation says. The Amplified says it like this. We are citizens of the state, the commonwealth, the homeland, which is in heaven. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> You're not just a citizen of this country. I'm not just a citizen of the country I come from. That's all temporary. I thank God for it. But it's very, very temporary. My name is on the eternal roster of heaven's citizenship. Hallelujah. Something that can never be taken away from us. I'm here on assignment. I'm here in a foreign land, talking about earth, representing the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But my citizenship is there. You, there's a place on the list. I don't know where it is. Maybe it's page, you know, 438 million. Maybe it's on the right side of the roster. But there's a place. Keith. More. Whew. Is there a place where your name is? A place where your name A permanent place of citizenship in him. Now the devil will tell you, no, no, you're Susie from the back country. You're, I grew up in the country. You're, you know, you're you know, just nobody from nowhere. You're nothing special. Nobody knows you. Nobody cares. Your parents said you were an accident. So there. <laughs> just because they were surprised doesn't mean the Lord was surprised. He knew you before you were born. And he chose you. Oh, somebody say, he chose me. He, cho he chose me. He chose you. And your name is written. Hallelujah. In permanent ink. Your name is written. And you are a citizen of heaven. Oh, somebody say, glory to God. That's where my citizenship is. 
Well, since your citizenship is there, listen to Colossians 3, 1 through 3. Colossians 3, 1 says, If you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For you're dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. You ever heard somebody say they're, they're so heavenly-minded, they're no earthly good? There's no such thing. No such thing as being too heavenly-minded that you're not, that's a stupid thing to say. There is such a thing as being too goofy-minded. <laughs> too phony-minded. <laughs> Confused-minded. But no, being, being mindful of where I'm from and where I'm going helps me to keep things in priority in life every day. Hmm? Having an awareness of where my spirit came from, where I'm about to go, where my citizenship is, where my eternal abode is, where my loved ones are, and all the family of God helps me to keep things in perspective and you realize a whole lot of stuff down here is just not that important. But there are some things that are vitally important and there's a very limited window of time to accomplish them. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel to everybody so that everybody that believes will be saved. Teach all nations. Hallelujah. What he's taught us. Thank you, Lord. So that they may come in. They may share with us in this eternal kingdom. Their name may be written in the Lamb's book of life. They may have an abode like ours. Hmm? We're not trying to be exclusive. We're not trying to keep this a secret. We're not afraid heaven's going to be overpopulated. <laughs> There's plenty. There's plenty. We want everybody to come in. Come Everybody that will to come in. And we, in Christ's stead, implore them, be reconciled to God. Come on in. The water's good. Come on in. The goodness of God. Now, just a few more, more, more moments and I think I'm closing. Some have thought that the more broken we were, it somehow glorified God, more defeated. But Jesus is our good shepherd. And the condition of the flock is a direct reflection on the shepherd. Hmm? What if you lived in a place, and there are places all over the world, where sheep are tended like they were long, long ago, you're in a little village. You keep hearing about this great shepherd. One day you hear he's coming by your village. So you come out to the road. You see somebody in the distance. As they get closer, 
Ah, oh, that's got to be him. Majestic. Beautiful robe. Ornamented staff. Noble features. You think, that's, that's got to be him. That's got to be that great shepherd I've heard about all these years. And as he passed by, you look back, and his flock are pitiful. Pitiful, I mean, poor, their little ribs are sticking out. This one back here is dragging his leg. <laughs> it was injured, never repaired, never, never mended. And, and here's one, looked like a wolf, got a hold of, got a big gaping hole out of this side. Poor, pitiful looking bunch. What would you say? What would you say? I don't care what they say about him. He's not a good shepherd. Look at the flock. True or not? Look at the flock. The condition of the flock is a direct reflection on the shepherd. Hmm? And then people will, will say, you know, God sent a storm and destroyed my house and, and God sent sickness on my babies and, and got to teach me a lesson and God did this. And then they turn around and say, don't you want to join the flock? I'm like, uh-uh. No. <laughs> no. Oh, but if you find out who you are and you realize God supplies all your needs according from your home country, according to his riches in glory, that he sustains you and he keeps you. And even though the flu is going around and everybody gets, kids get sick, but yours don't get sick, that's the Lord sparing you. And if other people's the economy is tight and other people's businesses are going under, but not only did yours not go under, you opened a new branch? Come on, are you with me? And the Lord's sustaining you and keeping you and healing you and helping you as you represent him. After a while, people will say, how do you do it? How do you do it? And you say, I got a good shepherd. I got a good shepherd. And we're still taking applications for the flock. Do you want to? Everybody wants a shepherd like that. It's the goodness of God that leads men. The kindness of God that leads and draws men to repentance. Not how beat down we are. Not how defeated we are. No. The condition of the flock. Is a direct reflection on the shepherd. Somebody said out loud, the Lord, the Lord is, my shepherd. is my shepherd. Did the next part say I barely make it through? Huh? I'm always full of want. What did, what did it say? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That word's also translated lack. I shall not lack. Then he de describes a prosperous sheep. He leads me beside the still waters. Right? When you see a sheep, the, the rich pastors lie down in, in, in lush grass. When you see a sheep lying down or a cow, why? If they're hungry, they don't lie down. They're lying down because they have eaten so much. Their little belly is full and they're just relaxing for a while. All this green grass behaves over their head. Beautiful, clean water. Don't have to be afraid of the wolf because the master's there 
with his staff. Come on, are y'all with me? He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. How many believe there's something good on the table? Is it a bare table? Are the bowls empty? How many believe the Lord knows how to put on a feast? Does the Lord know how to put it on? Abundance. Abundance. Jesus said, I'm the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I'm come that you might have and enjoy life. The Amplified says, to the full until it overflows. Jesus said, that's why he came. That's why he came. Right in the presence of our enemies. Kept, healed, provided, protected, ambassadors. This will draw people around us to him. When they see the goodness of God continually manifest in our life. Phyllis and I, when we first started down the road, you know, the commitment to ministry, some of our relatives thought we had lost it. Some of our friends thought, you know, they'd gone off the deep end. You know, they, they, they messed up. And, and some of them, it, it took 10 years. Some of them, it took 15 years. Some more. But eventually, they were so impressed by all the good things God did in our life. Come on, are y'all with me? Yeah. And of course, they knew us, and they thought, well, I, I know Keith, he ain't that smart. I mean, they, how could, <laughs> something going on here, right? <laughs> I, I know them. How, how did that happen for them? And they eventually came around, one after another, and began to say, there must be something to this. Tell me about this. Or then when they were in need, you know, they, they asked for prayer. When they were in need, they asked for help. And thank God you could help them. Because you've been authorized. You've been empowered. You've been sent. In Christ's stead to minister on his behalf. Stand on your feet, everybody. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I know it went a little bit long, but I'm not here with you too long. Got to get in what we can while we can, right? Are you okay? Who are you? What are you? Hallelujah. You're somebody. God has made you somebody. Let's lift up our hands. Let's thank the Lord. Come on, lift up your voice. Thank Him for choosing you. Thank Him for calling you, anointing you. Thank you. Lord, I thank you. I thank you. What a privilege it is. What a joy it is to know you. Thank you for choosing me. Thank you for what you're preparing for us past this life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Just close your eyes if you would and let me lead you in this prayer. If you believe it, if, if your heart agrees with it, pray this out loud. Say, Father God, I believe what you have told me through your word, by your spirit. I am chosen of you. I am called of you. I am appointed and anointed to represent you. I purpose to take this seriously 
and not despise what you've put in me. I purpose to be aware, to be mindful, to represent you in every situation that I find myself in. Set a watch at the door of my lips. Check me lest I misrepresent you. Check me, Lord, lest I do something to bring reproach. Grant me your wisdom, your understanding, and more grace whereby I may serve you acceptably, well-pleasingly, that I may represent you truly and with excellence in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at raymond.org.au.